Stay tuned. Eastside Radio, 89.7 FM. Welcome back, listeners. I'm John Mark. And I'm Riley. And we're back with uh, another three shows over the next three weeks. We're going to be talking about knowledge, about things known, things unknown, and things unknowable. That's right, and we're going to be focusing on the known on this episode. What exactly do people mean when they say, I know? Good question. I know. What? I know. Know what? You know. No. I think I know what you know I know. Look, I don't know what you think I know, but I don't know it. Okay, so that was a clip from Frankenweenie. Frankenweenie? Who's that? That's, um, it's a 2012, um, like, stop-motion animation uh, comedy film, and it's, uh, it basically uses a lot of the, um, Frankenstein story, um, but it's, it's, could have pays tribute to a lot of the classic horror characters, um, and that character you heard talking was Edgar, who's based off Igor, the sort of hunchbacked assistant. Um, and Edgar knows, um, well, he thinks he knows. <laughs> and he knew that he didn't know that he knew mm. that he didn't know or something like that. He can go around in circles. <laughs> yeah, but to get to the heart of it, John, you've actually um, looked up the definition. I did. I did. Uh, knowledge is a word to start with. Um, we all use words all the time, and I think most of us uh, get our meaning of words through usage, for using them and listening to other people use them. Certainly that's how I got the meaning of uh, most of my lexicon, was through uh, listening to people and actually more through reading books. Um, but I tend to, when I'm trying to get to the, to the essence sometimes of of words i go to the dictionary to see what the dictionary says and i did that with knowledge i went to the interwebs and i uh, looked up on quite a few different places Um, this definition is from uh, webster's Um, they're all pretty much the same Uh, the wording's slightly different but uh, basically there's two definitions here of the word knowledge and the first one is information understanding or skills that you get from experience or education. So there seems to be two things there, Riley. Yeah, experience and education. And um, so, and that lends itself to um, how I was thinking about it when we were contemplating, you know, how to define it. And um, because there's the sort of learning that's theoretical and it's more cultivated through um, something that someone's read in a book or something that someone's been told. And then there's the... Uh, kind of um, learning that is you have to physically uh, enact something to be able to feel that you know how to do it. Uh, and of course, different people have different uh, preferences as well with how they like to learn. Yeah, sort of one has come from a, a channeling of information. Um, you know, for, for, for a lot of us that came from, started when we uh, went to school, really in a formal way, when we had to sit in those classrooms and uh, look at the blackboard and listen to the teacher and do those horrible uh, tests, those spelling tests, I hated them. Um, 
And the other kind is, uh, I guess, the kind you do when you play sports. Um, I think most of us learn to do sports by getting out there on the playing field and, and having a go. Riding a bike is a good example, I feel, because that's one of those expressions that, like, they say you never forget and it's like your body remembers. Yeah, hard to learn, but then once your body learns how to do it, it's almost effortless. Mm. Um, you seem to retain knowledge in a mysterious way. It's such a battle sometimes to concentrate, particularly the older you get. It's really hard to, to learn new things. You have to concentrate much harder. Your, your mind seems less sponge-like. I think when we're little kids, we, we absorb everything around us. It's, it's almost automatic. And the older we get, the, the harder it becomes. Um, now, the other definition here is uh, awareness of something, uh, the state of being aware of something. Uh, it gives a couple of legal examples, knowledge of. You can be convicted by having knowledge of something. Mm. Uh, being aware of something is actually... Um, a crime. I know nothing. <laughs> uh, what was that from Hogan's Schultz. Heroes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Schultz. Um, so the uh, sense of awareness that some people seem to have, and this is something that varies from person to person as well, because you can have some people will come into a new environment and from immediately they'll be evaluating the uh risk factors and the clear points of exit and um, they'll be sizing all of that up as soon as they've walked into the room whereas other people can kind of be and I think I'm often more like this you're just sort of in a dream when you go somewhere and it's not um, there's a lot that you're not seeing yeah I think in um, if you look at education um, uh, I've been to quite a few tertiary inst institutions and most of the stuff you learn there is theoretical you know although there are components of, of prac you know when you you get past your postgraduate stuff um, universities really focus on a theory and information and you learning and retaining and remembering that um, Whereas the other kind of school, uh, the tradies, the trade schools, the tapes and the, um, the art schools, the places where you go and more focus on uh, the act of the art or the craft or the skill or the job. And actually that's changed, I think. That's starting to change. Back in the old days, you, you found a master and you, you followed him around and <laughs> you learnt through osmosis. You learnt by being around him and by him... Um, doing stuff and you emulating um, and that's changed a lot now I think the process of apprenticeship um, largely revolves around uh, schools um, where you sit in a classroom and learn stuff where have all the masters gone <laughs> I think there's still some out there but you have to you have to search them out education has become a commodity now uh, something that you have to purchase and when I first uh, went to university in the early 80s, uh, it was a rite of passage. It was available to all Australians and you didn't have to pay very much for it. Yeah, it seems um, that there's a lack of incentive for a lot of people to incur the expense of a higher education. Um, and, you know, it's something that, uh, I mean, back in... Uh, my parents' day, as you're saying, it does seem that it has changed um, since that time because uh, 
it's more of a focus on uh, the the status and the income and what the, a certain um, you know a certain degree can get you as opposed to like a sense of your own uh, like self development and prowess. I think the focus appears to be more superficial. Yeah, on that piece of paper. I've got, I got that piece of paper. That's what you really pay for. I've had uh, quite an experience with uh, tradesmen over the last fifteen years, living in a a large um, um, block of flats, um, which isn't controlled by or serviced by a, a company who um, send out plumbers. And my toilet gets blocked all the time um, because the sewage pipes are all decaying. But um, I've had uh, instances where I've had ten plumbers come in a row day after day after day after day and not be able to fix the problem i've had the same um, experience with electricians as well and then eventually some uh, master will come along someone with actually a lot of experience and they'll go straight to the problem Mm, mm. so riley you hit the streets this week uh, with your microphone and got some um, statements for some people tell us about it well, essentially, I just asked people to define uh, knowledge. And so we've got uh, a bunch of different clips here of uh, different folks talking about that, which we shall present to you now. Okay, let's hear it. Knowledge to me is um, information. It's the process of taking in your stimulus and surroundings whether that be through experience or hearing seeing um, it's the consumption of thought knowledge is the perception of learning and retaining what you've learned knowledge is about fact and the facts that you acquire throughout your life I would define knowledge as information amassed over anything, really. So knowledge, um, I think knowledge is a power. It's a power without an emotional um, color. So in, on a very negative side, um, knowledge gives an option to control. Give, give, give a way to control uh, people or circumstances for own uh, benefits. Knowledge is the way, is the instrument to satisfy curiosity and uh, thinking that human beings on the, at the high extent, actually the creatures who want to know how the world works and being able to answer big questions, knowledge is the only way which can give them opportunity to do so. Um, because the more, the more you know, the more, more actually people realize they don't know. Uh, it's what you know. Yeah. Uh, what you've learned and not forgotten. What else do you want? <laughs> okay, so Riley, who were these people? How did you find them? Well, they're people that I... Uh, they're all people that I know, but I didn't seek them out. Uh, for the most part, I just happened to encounter them. Some of them are neighbors of yours and uh friends of mine that um i was you know seeing throughout throughout the week and uh there's a diverse amount of ages ranging from people in their 20s 30s 40s and all the way into the senior citizen kind of 70 
years old kind of mark. So, so what we found is that, um, you know, similar to uh, what we said before, um, experience, you know, learning. Um, so this is what where our mind goes when we're when we're trying to define knowledge. Yeah, and your interviews seem to identify those two um, those two forms of knowledge. So, yeah, what what forms of knowledge do you feel like um, haven't been? Uh... Well, there's some other things uh, that come to mind, um, like ancestral knowledge. Now, that's a, an idea that um, was kind of totally disregarded on a at a scientific level when I was much younger. I remember coming across the idea of uh, or thinking about um, how you know abilities and skills can be passed down intergenerationally. And you also hear some very interesting stories about people, people with memories and people with abilities that um, transcend many generations. Mm. And you kind of wonder how this could happen. And um, I've noticed recently there's actually been quite a bit of discussion um, about this idea of ancestral knowledge as uh, people become more open to alternate investigations in the scientific realm. People like Rupert Sheldrake, mm. who's um, very interested in the psychic ability of animals and pets, and he's actually done a lot of experimentation, in, intercontinental experiments uh, with meditation, uh, mindfulness, um, and with animal behavior. Um, and I've also um, heard him talk about uh, the transfer of knowledge in nature. Now, he's got... Um, uh, he's coined a term called uh, morphic resonance um, in an effort to try and explain another mechanism for the transfer of information um, from one place to another or from one person to another. Mm. Um, and this morphic resonance uh, can be used to explain all, all kinds of things, uh, life and genesis, as we talked about in one of our previous episodes on birth. Uh, for the listeners, if you're interested in that, you could recap on those shows. Um, he's also uh, talked about um, environments like forests where information seems to be able to be transferred from one animal to another and even um, from plants uh, at speeds that seem to defy any of our understood forms of communication. Mm, mm. And an, an example of the passed down thing is like, say if there's a, a parent who knows how to do uh, martial arts and what can often happen is that even if they haven't taught their children um, how to do it, the kids will just naturally assume the formations and stuff. So that's an example of that for sure. And if you look at it within myself, like obviously I'm uh, quite a uh, verbose kind of guy and, you know, I come from lots of generations of people that are into acting and storytelling and these kinds of things. So, of course, there's this... uh, you know, I don't have any training, but it's in uh, my heritage, and I appear to maintain that kind of energy. So there's a new emerging field of genetic research called epigenetics, and this is pioneered by um, a professor named Bruce Lipton, who's quite a controversial figure now, um, and I think he's actually called a lunatic by many people. But he's um, he taught... He's emeritus professor. He taught 
medicine to generations of doctors and he taught the traditional idea that genes are a blueprint for our lives and for the biological processes that are going to happen to us through a lifetime. And what he's uh, discovered is that um, in his theory of epigenetics, uh, genes are more like a box of tools, uh, which are totally, um, their activation is dependent on their environment. So the input from the environment is um, a huge factor in whether genes are going to express themselves or not. And this is uh, quite a different paradigm shift in the understanding of uh, the role that they play and um, the way information, um, because really uh, genes are a form of information as we understand them, uh, the way those things are influenced by the environment and external uh, input. And in fact, his description of the cells in your body now is more like rather than these little uh, machines going about their business, uh, he thinks of them more like uh, a television set with antennas that receive signals from outside and it's the signal that actually directs the action of the cells and the organism uh, which activates them to um, the machinery inside. So this is definitely an interesting change in, uh, at a scientific level. What do you think of the idea of, um, say, for example, a uh, someone had a direct ancestor who was a soldier in a war? What do you think? Do you think that uh, maybe that kind of, uh, you know, trauma, that psychological, emotional trauma? could um, be inherited, could come down generations or maybe skip a generation and someone could be living out that kind of energy of the past? Um, well, I don't see why not. If information can be uh, uh, transmitted intergenerationally uh, and skills can and behaviours can, then surely emotions can as well, perhaps. Um, that's a very interesting rabbit hole. Mm, mm. Yeah, so intergenerational trauma can be passed down, but perhaps the wisdom of your forebears can also be gained. And wisdom is a topic that we're going to be exploring after this track. Here is Nat King Cole.
was Nat King Cole with I Know That You Know. Um, so we're going to be getting into wisdom now. John, um, you have the uh, dictionary definition on hand, I believe. That's right. I, uh, I looked this one up too uh, on the interwebs. Uh, same place. I think this is Webster's. So wisdom is a noun. It's uh, number one, the ability to discern or judge what is true, right, or lasting insight. So it kind of links it to judgment, to morality perhaps, as some of, uh, some of your friends mentioned. The second definition is common sense or good judgment. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. So that's something that is, once again, um, we have these ideas of conventional wisdom and common sense, and it's this idea. It's sort of more ephemeral, and it's not book smarts. It's not something that you go to uni for, but people have this just conventional kind of wisdom, which is like it's about how you conduct yourself in a situation that where you're not having to just flick through a book or something and go, oh, what do I say here? But it's about uh, what you embody really in the in the moment. Yeah, it's quite situational. And, um, you know, it's also something that people don't have. <laughs> Some people display a, a, an amazing lack of common sense in certain situations. So the third definition is the sum of learning through the ages. So that's kind of a body of knowledge type idea. Yeah, which, um, which ties into... Uh the whole um, ancestral thing as well, and the um, the archetype of the wise old people that I think you could argue are undervalued in our society these days. Indeed. Now let's hear from uh, some more of your interviews. That's right. Here we go. So, like, um, knowledge and wisdom are different parts of the same coin to me. They're not to- totally, like, polar opposites. Wisdom, I think, it's a quality of a very knowledgeable person who, who has a lot of information and understands things, how things work and how things are and thinks deeply on them. So wisdom, it's ability to fulfill life with knowledge without making, without hurting anyone, anyone in wide sense, humans, animals, like world around. So that's for me is wisdom. Wisdom usually I don't think wisdom can be often met in very young people um, because um, wisdom, it depends. Wisdom for me also shall be like topped up with experience. Wisdom is something gained from experience and knowledge. Wisdom is utilizing our knowledge and understandings to better others. It's the process of taking our own thoughts and making analyzed choices or actions to benefit a situation or person wisdom that's more based in morals right when it's used in conversation um typically when someone is wise they're seen as using their life experience and their self-knowledge and a lack of ego to make choices so it was interesting there um because uh we got from a couple of the interviews a similar judgment of um Knowledge being something that is accumulated over time, but then wisdom is knowing how to apply that in a way that is in keeping with a moral and spiritually healthy kind of life. 
Yeah, ethics, uh, the way we apply our morality to our our day-to-day existence. And it seems that uh, a moral compass is a requirement for wise decision-making. And we also get... uh you know the um the idea of wisdom being something that is more based within instincts and stuff that's uh that's less tangible you know i suppose with knowledge people will think they know something but wisdom seems to be um somehow deeper and more related to an idea of insight and an inner life of a person absolutely it's about um a whole list of things and it quite often comes from uh, experience in old age and mm. i've got a story now about a wise plumber there was a, a a building a big apartment block and it was managed by a company and there was a corporate takeover so it must have been recent this story they took it over and they sacked everybody and employed new people for less, less wages uh, probably younger people and the plumber got sacked and you know, he didn't mind too much. He's a bit upset, but he took it in his stride and off he went. A couple of months later, something happened to the whole water system in the building and they called in all their experts because the guys that they employed had no clue how to fix it. And they had a whole tribe of people coming in trying to fix this system and nobody could do it. And then there was still someone that worked there that knew the old guy. So they said, look, there's there's an old plumber who worked here and looked after the system for years. Perhaps he'd know how Mm. to fix it. So they rang him up. They said, would you come and have a look at our hot water system? It doesn't seem to be working. He said, sure, I can do that for you. It's going to cost you, but um, no problem. So... They made the arrangements, the old man turned up and they followed him through the building. He walked down corridors and he listened and he sniffed and he walked to another place and he listened to all of the gurgles and the noises and he went up to a, a large pipe and he pulled out his big spanner off his belt and he gave it a good whack. The whole thing shuddered and shook and steam spurted out And all of a sudden, the system started to work again. And they were ecstatic. They went, thanks very much. He said, no problem at all. You'll receive my bill soon. So a week later, the bill arrived for £20,000. And the accountant looked at this bill and said, this is ridiculous. How long did this guy take to fix the the system? And the uh, attendant said, well, just took him five minutes, really. So they sent... uh, a letter to the plumber and they said, could you please itemise your invoice so that we uh, can get an idea of what we're paying for here? And so he said, sure, no worries. Uh, And a week later they received the invoice and it had two items on it. The first one was £20 for the use of his spanner to tap the pipe. The second item was £19,980, and that was for knowing where to tap the pipe. A man of wisdom. (laughs) And a sense of humour, obviously. Mm. Which is part of wisdom. I think it's one of the most important aspects of wisdom, particularly in in this crazy world we live in, Mm. is to keep a hold of your sense of humour. Well, folks, we're almost at the end of the program. Join us next week when we delve into the unknown 
which we're really looking forward to. But uh, on the subject of humour, I will leave Hugh Buckingham with the last word. My dad once told me that knowledge is knowing tomatoes are a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put them in a fruit salad. When I reminded him of this last Christmas, he got really excited and said he had something to add. That philosophy is wondering if ketchup is a smoothie. You're listening to People Powered Radio, proudly supported by the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The Community Broadcasting Foundation resources community-owned and operated media stations just like this one that connect people and tell vital local stories so that we all enjoy a more vibrant, inclusive Australian culture and healthy democracy. Find out more about our work at cbf.com.au.